0: Hello and welcome to the Oz Investing Podcast, the podcast for the everyday investor. Just a quick note before we begin today's podcast is that nothing in this podcast should be considered as personal financial advice. If you're ever in doubt about your financial situation, please reach out to a qualified financial advisor. With all that said and done, let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Oz Investing Podcast. My name is Sam and with me as always is my buddy Jude. How are you doing Jude? Doing well mate, how are you? Very well, thanks. Please excuse me though, because I've got a bit of a sore throat today, so just recovering a little bit from that, but other than that, all good.
1: All right. uh, but first thing I think before we we start off, uh, Happy New Year to all our listeners. Uh, We were meant to release this podcast before Christmas, but you know, as usual, life gets in the way a bit, so... (laughs) we we weren't able to release this earlier but we said you know let's try and get this done in the new year first things and uh, Sam you were supposed to travel to Sydney right uh, but then I think restrictions hit so what did you do in you know instead of going to Sydney uh, you know when we caught up the other day you mentioned that you were planning to visit the planetarium how was the experience
0: yeah that's right so covid's unfortunately come back again but yeah just during the break that uh we had recently i did visit the planetarium uh, which is next to the science works museum in spotswood just over the westgate bridge i watched the black hole show and did a virtual stargazing so that was very interesting there's actually a special event going on right now with jupiter and saturn they're actually lining up and this is the first time it's happened in nearly 800 years so i think when they perfectly lined up it was towards the end of december so right now uh well we're recording this on the 3rd of january so right now it's probably slightly apart but i reckon that's gonna be a better sight to see if you are able to see it because then you can actually distinguish uh, the two the two planets up in the sky
1: oh that sounds interesting sam um, surely got a plan a visit before we get back to work Mm. Uh, any other any other interesting new year stories
0: (laughs) so probably the other thing i'll uh, mention was so i got a little bit sick right on new year's eve Um, so i I was at a house party just waiting for the countdown and since i got a little bit sick on, on new year's day just to be on the safe side i actually went for a covid test and, uh, yeah, it was a very long wait in the line. I, um, I waited three hours to actually get the test. Wow. And, and uh, yeah, it was very interesting when I, when I actually did it. So the first thing that was a little bit unexpected was um, the test is self-administered, or at least the one I did in the clinic that I went to, it was self-administered. So I, I give myself the, the pain of doing the test. um and and also the the swab um Mm -hmm. it's actually the same swab for the mouth and the nose
1: so (laughs) that was
0: a little bit unexpected as well
1: exactly that wouldn't be a very pleasant experience
0: (laughs) i didn't find um you know the swab in the mouth too bad but i think the swab in the nostrils that wasn't too pleasant for me um it actually made my eyes water but um it's not too long fortunately and uh you know you get it over and done with pretty quickly uh you get your result back pretty quickly as well so i got mine within 24 hours so negative result thank god <laughs> uh, yeah, So good. my that's, friends uh, that's can, good news yeah i think my friends can breathe a sigh of relief as well so <laughs> <laughs> you know when they're around me they've got nothing to kind of worry about um but yeah so just kind of recovering a little bit um, from from a scratchy throat right now but other than that all good so we we'll that's good to you, to, Sam. Good to you. Yeah, thanks, buddy. So we'll we'll get into today's topic, and that is the 4C stock analysis approach. So this has been inspired by the books, YouTube channels, and investing gurus that we follow, but mm-hmm. predominantly there's been influence from Fieldtown and Warren Buffett. And the way we approach stock analysis is through the value investing style. Mm-hmm. and you know this is one of the um different approaches so there's momentum and there's there's other approaches but uh this is this is based on the value investing style and for listeners uh, that have subscribed to our website we do provide a free checklist for etfs and stocks so if you haven't already got it please get it at our website so it's oz-investing.com spelt oz-investing enter your email address into the pop-up, the light box that appears when you first go to the email, uh, go to the website and we will send you that free checklist. So what we'll be doing in today's podcast, Jude and I will be following different aspects of that checklist for individual stocks and going through the process with a real company example. And the name of the company that we'll be doing is A2 Milk. So for full disclosure, Jude and I are shareholders of this particular company. And just please note, we're not providing any financial advice in regards to A2 Milk. We're just going to illustrate the steps in the checklist with A2 as, as the example.
1: Perfect. Perfect. And I think uh, just to start off as well, Sam, just to add to your point is the approach which we really follow, right, uh, is we look at it in two aspects. We look at it from a quantitative perspective. Uh, when we're analyzing the company, but also the qualitative elements of the company in itself. Now The approach is the 4C approach. And uh, the reason why the 4C approach is when we go into each of those parameters, you will clearly get the reason why we call it the 4C approach. And, you know, we look for companies which have good historical records when it comes to financials, ideally, you know, 10 years or more in some cases where it's, you know, it's a relatively good company where we could, uh, you know, relax those requirements a bit where, you know, anything greater than five years or so, or five to seven years is also pretty good. And also, it's the quality of the business, right, that um, instills confidence in the shareholders for the future years. So, the first parameter for the 4C is the company story in that checklist. Now, it is crucial to know what you're investing in. I think that's, you know the the most important element when you go into individual stock picking is to know what the company is all about. The company story is an important first step in any shortlisting process, and uh, should be in what mm-hmm. Warren Buffett calls it your circle of competence. You should be aware and understand businesses you know a little bit more easier in terms of um, it could be an an interesting area for you where you you have a keen interest into. Or you know it's some uh, it's it's an area where you're working in, right? So mm. you need to know the products, you need to know the services of the company. As I said, you know Phil town mentions it in his books where if you're not able to explain the story of a company in a single page, you're better off staying away from it. So before you analyze or start analyzing any company, ask yourself the following questions: Do I understand the business? Does the story resonate with me? And am I confident to own this business for the next 10 years? If the answer is yes to those above three questions, then you can proceed with the next stage of the checklist, which is to check the competitive advantage of the company. And so, as you mentioned, like if we take A2 Milk for the the sake of an example, we first need to know what A2 Milk is all about, right? The origin story. So A2 Milk uh, Company Limited was founded in 2000 and is based in Auckland, New Zealand. The company was formerly known as A2 Corporation Limited and changed its name to A2 Milk Company Limited in April 2004. Now, that's the origin story of what A2 Milk is. What are the products and its offerings? A2 Milk, you know, along with its subsidiaries, sells A2 protein type branded milk and related products in australia new zealand china other asian countries and the united states now the company offers fresh milk under the a2 milk brand as well as infant formula under the a2 platinum uh sorry the a2 platinum brand so that's just a little bit in terms of what the a2 milk brand is all about
0: cool thanks for that jude I think this first step is, is very important to actually understand the company and how they're actually making their money, because I think for a lot of early investors, they can get a little bit carried away sometimes if, say, for example, someone tells them an interesting stock or a company and they kind of... Have a little look through and find that you know in the last month or so the share price has been rising um, only you know later on to just blindly invest and, and be burnt later down the line when they realize they don't understand anything about that company so i think it's a very important first step uh, to always do your homework and always find out what you're actually investing in so just moving on now to the next parameter on the checklist and that is the company advantage so when considering a stock or a company for an investment it's very important to understand who are the competitors and what edge does that company have over its competition we have a point in the checklist that states i believe the company has an edge over its competitors and this advantage cannot be breached easily warren buffett often calls the competitive advantage a moat and the reason for this is if you think about a castle it has a moat or a body of water protecting it from invaders or intruders and a company a quality company should also have a moat or some sort of distinct advantage protecting it from its competition so, there's different kinds of moats and Fieldtown categorizes them in their books, so I'm just going to go over some of those briefly uh, and provide some examples. These are American examples, but I think these ones will be easy for people to understand. So. A brand moat, um, so people are willing to pay more for a high quality product or service that a company provides if, if they have a brand moat. So an example of this would be Nike. So people will pay more for Nike branded shoes and Nike branded clothing because it symbolizes success and it symbolizes winning. So because they have a very strong um, brand, people will, will buy their products there's another kind of moat which is the secret moat so this is when a company has a patent or some sort of trade secret which makes it tough for the competition to replicate so a good example of this will be coca-cola so it has a secret formula or secret recipe that gives it a very distinctive kind of taste Mm -hmm. a lot of companies have tried to copy it and there's plenty of cola flavored uh, branded soft drinks out there but people have never successfully copied the the exact taste of coca-cola so that's that's one kind of moat a company can have the next one is a switching moat so this is when it's difficult for a buyer to to actually switch uh to a competitor when they're kind of part of of the ecosystem or the product or services is a very integral part of their life so a really good example of this would be apple so it's very hard to switch away from the apple ecosystem once you're locked in so once you're using itunes and um, apple tv and all the other services it's it's very difficult to kind of switch away and go to android for example and the final one is the price moat so this is when it's difficult for competitors to commit uh, to compete, sorry, uh, on the prices offered. So a good example of this would be Costco. So competitors of Costco can't compete at the same low prices. They just aren't able to do it. So this gives Costco a very distinct advantage, and um, it, it protects them from um, Walmart and other competitors that they have. So going back now to A2, it would have a brand mode and a secret mode. So what A2 have been doing very well is their marketing and they're able to promote its product as a premium product, particularly in the key markets such as China. So they're doing this very well. Their marketing campaigns um, are targeting first time mothers from a health angle. And um, as we know, mothers always want the best for their children. So this works very well for A2 Milk. Also, it does have a secret mode as the product doesn't contain the A1 protein that's found in most dairy milk, so most other milk products contain both the A2 and the A1 protein, while A2 milk obviously only sells um, their products with only the A2 protein, and this has been achieved through a gene testing procedure which they have patented. There is a little bit of a debate about the true health advantages of A2 milk. So there's the argument that people feel a little bit of discomfort after drinking ordinary milk or lactose-free milk. Drinking A2 only milk is supposed to be a little bit easier on the stomach and easier to digest. However, there's no kind of clear-cut evidence that suggests that consuming a1 is dangerous or, or leads to any kind of elevated risk of Diseases or anything like that. So it's still a little bit of something that's um, Tossed up in the air, but I think people are willing to pay a little bit more for something that is seen to be a health advantage So that's something that a2 has gone for itself Another advantage I kind of want to just point out is that a2 has A license to sell into the Chinese retail brick-and-mortar stores so they've got um, an approval known as the S-A-M-R approval and not all A2MIL competitors have this approval so they're able to sell the competitors are able to sell through um, e-commerce channels but they're not able to sell into brick-and-mortar unless they receive this particular approval so just Talking about a few of of the competitors for A2 and who they are, there's Bellamy's, so that's a Tasmanian-based organic formula company. It did finally receive the SAMR approval in 2019, but they had to wait for a very long time, so A2's got a bit of a head start on them, a much greater head start. And there's also two Australian uh, companies that sell goat products, uh, which is Bubs and Nutiv and both of these can be seen as competitors to a2 milk as well and finally probably the largest one um, is nestle now so this is a swiss company a very large food and beverage company that's been around for a very long time they've got a very large uh range of products they've also now released an a2 milk product but i think um, they've only kind of just started and it would be a while for them to kind of penetrate the china market for instance It'll take them a while to kind of get a foothold onto things where A2 has already had a fairly big head start. Correct.
1: I think that's that's a very valid point you you made there, right? Because it's also the it's it's almost like, as you said, in addition with the brand and the secret mode which they already have, it's it's the first mover advantage. I think mm. since they've established their presence in those markets. You know, it gives them a significant edge over their competitors. So so that's pretty mm-hmm. good. So we move on to the next parameter, Sam. I think we talk about the the next C in the 4C. So we spoke about the company story. We spoke about the competitive edge. Uh, now we talk about something in terms of the company financials or what we call as the company numbers. Now, the company numbers are obtained from, as I said, the financial statements, which are the income statements, the balance sheet and the cash flow statements. I think whenever we talk about financials these three are uh the major elements when you analyze companies right from a, a numeric perspective and ideally 10 years or more um, is as i said earlier is what we would really look for because you want to see longevity in a company to make sure that it's there it's been performing well understand its patterns over the you know the last 10 years but at the same time you know make sure that they've got a a decent business model for you to continue to invest with them for the next uh, couple of years, right? And mm-hmm. so, as I said, ideally, you would look at it 10 years or more. But in certain cases, when the business model and the business is really good, we can relax that criterion and say anything you know greater than five years of data should be good for analysis. So, from this, you get a clue that you know, personally. I think, uh, and I think I speak for you as well, Sam, is like, we don't really invest in companies that, you know, have just entered the market, mostly. Uh, We kind of look at, uh, and and don't specifically have any history in, you know, the stock exchange. So we look for companies which definitely have, you know, established history on the stock exchange. But again, this is a very uh, personal preference, right? Uh, It's not everyone does follow this. But, you know, I definitely look into it that this company has to be there at least for the you know, the past 10 years for me to do some sort of analysis to make sure that I'm going to be investing in this and investing my hard-earned money into this in the future as well, right? So mm-hmm. the following numbers are, and I think, you know, it's all, uh, as you mentioned, it's there in our checklist, but I'm going to go through some of these numbers and what do they mean, right? Uh, to, to understand a, a business from a quantitative angle. Now, Uh, you know, financial statements can be quite intimidating or daunting, right? However, there are just a couple of few elements that are needed from these statements to give you a rough idea on the performance of the company. So, you know, there could, you could be overwhelmed with so much information across those different financial statements. But as I said, you need to just pick out a few from each of those statements to really understand, to give you some sort of pictures to where this company is and, you know, where it can be going in the future as well, correct? so Mm -hmm. let's start off with you know one important element uh, which is called the sales or the you know we're looking at the sales or the revenue and we're trying to see what's the growth rate over the last couple of years right now it's usually referred to as the top line or the gross income figure from which costs are subtracted to determine the net income okay now this is found on the income statement. And what happens is whenever we are trying to evaluate to see what a sales or the revenue growth is, we tend to look for numbers which are greater than or equal to 10% in the last 10 years on an average. Yeah, we're looking for an average um, performance of 10% or more, just to make sure that the graph is an upward graph so that you know that, you know, hey, this is a good enough company to invest in. It's got uh, you know, good market, uh, as you said, good uh, market, it has captured and for you to make sure that these numbers are on an incremental trajectory, right, rather than looking at it on a declined view. So anything greater than, as I said, an, an average of 10% in the last 10 years, which is, is pretty good. And coming back to our example of A2 Milk, uh, this has satisfied this criterion in the last, uh, you know, the at least in the last five to seven years, it has done so. The next one is something which we call as the net income growth rate. Now, for a business, net income is the amount of revenue left after subtracting all expenses, taxes and costs. So this, again, is found in our uh, found on the income statement. And similarly to, you know, the sales or the revenue growth rate, we're looking at a 10 percent uh, average 10 percent increment like, you know, in the last 10 years or so a 2 milk. Coming back to the example of A2 Milk, this has done pretty well over the last five to seven years, at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the next element is the equity growth rate. Now, firstly, I think let's take a step back and understand what is equity. Equity represents the value that would be returned to a company's shareholders if all the assets were liquidated and all of the company's debt was of a pay off. So that's the definition of what equity is and net equity is nothing but your total assets minus the total liabilities, both of which are found on the balance sheet. Mm. Now, as I said, so there is a, you know, there is a pattern, right? We spoke about the sales or revenue growth. We look at 10%. We look at net income growth is around 10%. Even the equity growth rate, we're looking at around 10% in the last 10 years. And A2 Milk, as an example, has qualified uh, in terms of that particular checklist. The next element we look at is the operating cash growth rate. Now, mm-hmm. operating cash is the amount of cash generated by a company's normal business operations. So here you're, you're looking for companies that can generate positive cash flows and have got you know good business going going for them so that you know that in the future as well, they will tend to you know, overcome any of the competition and you have have a sound business to generate those positive cash flows. Now, mm. this element is found on the cash flow statement. And again, we're looking at companies which have an operating cash growth rate of 10% on an average in the last 10 years or so. As I said, there are exceptions. It could be, you know, five to seven years if it is a good business. And if you believe personally it's a good business and a A2, uh, A2 Milk has been doing well in this regard over the last five years so you see that you know we've we've tried and played around with relaxed certain criterions where we've looked at certain elements for a2 milk where it's you know doing well over the last five years or so but there are certain elements which looked over it you know it's doing well over the last 10 years Hmm. the next element is something what is called as the earnings per share growth rate now the earnings per share is a calculated number which is a company's profit divided by the outstanding shares of its common stock. And this result, resulting number serves as an indicator of company's profitability. Now, hmm. numbers for these calculations can be found on the income statement. And again, we look for an EPS growth rate of greater than 10% in the last 10 years, or if in case the company is good, we say look at it in the last five to seven years, yeah. And A2 Milk has been doing well over the last five years in this, with regards to this particular parameter uh, in our checklist. The next element is the debt to equity ratio. Now, the debt to equity ratio is calculated by dividing a company's total liabilities by its shareholder slash net net equity. Mm -hmm. It is a measure of the degree to which a company is financing its operations through debt versus wholly fund, uh, sorry, wholly owned funds. Yeah. So mm-hmm. how much, how much it is borrowing versus how much it is able to fund by itself is what we are le- really looking at in this particular element. And yeah. as I said, this is a calculated field. So the elements which you really need from it are available on the balance sheet. And we look at a debt to equity to be lesser than 0.5 uh, ideally. Um, and that is that's that goes to say that obviously the equity is higher than the debt, and mm-hmm. this ratio should be anything less than or equal to 0.5, which is a good ratio according to, you know, according to us in terms of where you are when you're, uh, what you say, valuing this company with regards to this particular parameter. And if you look at the debt to equity ratio for A2 Milk, uh, this surely satisfies this particular criterion. Yeah. Mm. And the last element in terms of this this quantitative checklist, so to speak, is can the free cash flow cover long-term debt in the next three years, you know, in three years time. And uh, I, the definition of free cash flow is, you know, cash from operations minus maintenance expenditures. And the maintenance expenditures uh, is predominantly, you know, the amount needed to run your businesses, right? So uh, the difference between the cash from operations minusing these expenditures is what is what we call is the free cash flow and the components to you know arrive at this calculation are found on the cash flow statement now yes. for a2milk as an example uh, yeah they do have a decent amount of cash and its equivalence currently so it does satisfy this criterion that you know can free cash flow cover its long-term debt in three years the answer is yes for uh you know a2milk So these are predominantly some of the quantitative uh, parameters we look at while, you know, uh,
0: looking at company financials. Great. Awesome. Thank you for that. So I think just to put a little analogy around it, if you were going to buy a car, for example, you would, you know, check the tires, check the motor check out while it's running the same kind of thing when we're analyzing a company you have to check different parameters and all the things that jude mentioned just then you have to look at to ensure that you're going to be investing into a quality company so thanks very much for going through that jude and the next kind of parameter to step through on our checklist is the company management so just to give another analogy and this is one that Town uses is we want to make sure that the jockey that's riding the horse uh is is a dependable jockey or to put another another way we want to make sure we know who the captain of the ship is and that it's going in the right direction it's taking the ship and the crew all in the right direction so we need to have a bit of an understanding about who who this particular person is or, or team of people mm-hmm. now ideally speaking if a company is managed by uh one of the original founders that's a big plus because it means they're going to be very committed uh to to the company because it's it's something that they um start in but even if the ceo is not the founder Mm-hmm. It's still okay, it still means that you know they can bring a lot of positives uh, to the company, but we need to obviously look at their track record and, and what are the key strengths um, and, and historically how well has, has that particular person performed uh, when, when they were at the head of those previous companies. So people can do research on their own by doing Google searches or finding these people on LinkedIn and checking through that historical information. So, just bringing it back to A2 Milk now. So the interim CEO is Jeffrey Baybridge. So he's been with the company since 2010, um, and he's done fantastically well. He's been with the company in its early days when they were only, you know, doing very small amounts of revenue, building it up all the way now where you know it's a billion dollar plus company. So there will be a new CEO, though, as of this year, as of 2021, by the name of David Bottolauci. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, And he will bring some key strengths with him as well. So he's previously worked on several large businesses that have focused on growing their brand. And Mm -hmm. he brings this style of management with him. He's also had a lot of experience with managers uh with mergers and acquisitions sorry so Mm -hmm. i think this would also be a very positive step for a2 with with what they're currently doing now with more and more mergers and acquisitions going on
1: no absolutely and i think just just to add on to that point maybe right i think one of their strategies and keeping in mind uh the history of this up uh, this future incoming sphere right is uh, the acquisitions bit which you mentioned. And, you know, there was a recent acquisition by A2 Milk. I think on Christmas Eve, it was uh, in the infant formula and milk seller, which is the acquisition of a New Zealand dairy company called Matora. And the whole idea was this, the the whole point of this deal was to try and strengthen its relationships with certain key state owned uh, Chinese business partners. Now, with all that A2 Milk is going through with, you know, sur- certain trade tensions with China and Australia and all that stuff, I think this type of acquisition would help smoothen uh, certain elements. Uh, so I think this was looked at it in a, in a positive light, at least, to counter certain uh, certain tensions with, you know, the Chinese trade, uh, which is currently going on right now.
0: Yep. So I think having someone that has the know-how on successfully integrating other companies and other businesses is going to be a big plus for A2 Milk. So definitely on paper, it seems like David is going to be a good fit, but in hindsight, he's going to be new. We don't know exactly how it's going to play out, so that's just also something to keep in mind. Also, historically, A2 has kind of chopped and changed its CEO a little bit. So it was previously run by Jane um, when before she kind of resigned unexpectedly. But hopefully now there's not going to be too many changes going forward. So just another aspect to look at when considering company management is to also look at the return on invested capital or ROIC. So this gives us Numerically, some confidence in in determining how successful management has been running the company, and this is actually the number one number that, that Warren Buffett and Phil Town look at when they're analysing a company. How good is the ROIC? So, the Investopedia definition is that it's a calculation used to assess a company's effectiveness in allocating capital under its control. To profitable investments so the return on investor capital ratio gives a good sense of how a company is using its money to generate returns I'll walk through a very simple example so in other words if I put $100 into a business and the business is able to make $110 in sales then it has a ROIC of 10% so looking at A2 and how well it's been doing in the past with ROIC numbers, it has actually been consistently above 10% in the last 10 years. There have been some negative years um, in 2017, 2018, and 2020, but on a whole, when you look at the larger 10-year picture, most of the time it has performed better than 10%. Perfect. Perfect.
1: I think that. That's good, Sam. Thanks. Thanks for going over that, those definitions and important elements. Right, the ease of Each of these particular points, which we discussed, form an important element in terms of having and evaluating a company through a checklist. And I think those were the four C's when we really spoke about the company story. And we spoke about, as I said, the, the competitive advantage. We spoke about the company numbers. And now Sam just went through an important element, which was the
0: company management. Thanks, Jude. This concludes Part A of Episode 5, the 4C Stock Checklist. Stay tuned for Part B of Episode 5, which talks about popular valuation models for stock analysis and goes through an evaluation for A2 Milk using one of the techniques.